chapter 14, verse 8. It's good to be back with you. I uh, was in Iowa last week, my grandmother's funeral. She was uh, 91, a Christian, great old lady, and it was time for her to, to go home to be with the Lord. And, you know, so it was a celebration. It was a privilege to be able to preach the gospel to my whole extended family on that on the Iowa side. Some of my Nebraska relatives came over as well, too. So, but, you know, we were happy for Grandma. A Christian's last day is his best day. So we're happy for her. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. It says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. That's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8 on page 638 in your pew Bibles. So yeah, the last couple Sundays we've been looking at different uh, virtues of the Christian life and of following Christ. And, you know, we've been looking at things and virtues that probably don't come as a big shock to you. Things like humility, kindness, keeping your anger under control. You know, those kinds of things. Like the kind of things that if I said, hey, everybody, make a list of the things that a Christian should be like, you'd probably at some point in your list write down kindness or something like that or humility. But today we come to a virtue in Proverbs that, I don't know, maybe be surprising to you. It's one of those virtues that you read it and you go, wait a minute, let me read that again. Have you ever thought about the virtue of thinking? That thinking is a Christian activity that's required of following Christ. As it says here in verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Have you ever thought of thought as an indispensable part of discipleship as a servant of Jesus? Maybe you have separated thought from faith. And in your mind, you have put them into different unrelated spheres. So over here is the realm of science, and over here is the realm of religion. That over here is thinking, and over here is feeling or believing. That in this camp over here, you have um, the university and the academy and the uh, study of serious topics with the mind. And over here is the church with beliefs and feelings where the mind is not engaged. This is all about the heart over here. Perhaps we've put uh, thinking and religion into such different uh, countries that they don't even speak the same language in our minds. But you know, the Bible doesn't make that kind of dichotomy. In God's Word, an important part of following Him is thinking. In fact, uh, if you look in Proverbs chapter 1, we'll come right back to Proverbs 14, but just flip back to Proverbs chapter 1. Do you remember this? This was the introduction to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 to 7. And uh, it's the the introduction. It sets the whole agenda for the book, so to speak. And uh, what I want to do is I just want to read some of the verses of Proverbs 1, 1 to 7 and just listen to the thinking theme as it emerges here. It says, uh, Proverbs 1.1, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, here we go, for understanding words of insight. Verse 4, For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. That's a lot of brain work. That's engaging your mind. This is very much, studying Proverbs, going to be um, concentrated cogitation upon what God has to say. 
Now, it's not just thinking for thinking's sake. It's not just sitting around philosophizing and simply because I'm philosophizing it's good. It's a specific kind of thinking. It's thinking in light of God's Word and who God is. Because look at verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So knowledge is not just, you know, pondering things. But the kind of thing we're talking about is thinking about who God is and what God's Word has to say. And then in light of that, how we should live our lives. Because if you look at verse 3, part of what we're trying to uh, learn through Proverbs is acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. So again, it's not just thinking to be an intellectual, but it's thinking about God's Word in such a way that it transforms the way I live my practical everyday life. That's wisdom as opposed to simply just being educated. But thinking is nonetheless there. We're called to think as Christians. So going back to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8, the verse we started with, it says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. So we think about our lives. We don't just act on impulse. We think about decisions before we make them. We consider options and relationships. And we consider them in light of what God teaches. It's, it's a very different way of approaching life than perhaps some of us grew up or the way we naturally approach life. Or look down at verse 15. We should think about our beliefs. It says, verse 15, A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. You know, why do we believe what we believe? We all believe things. Everyone has a belief system. So why do you believe it? You're like, I don't know. I guess this is what I was taught growing up. Just what my parents taught me. Or, you know, that's what I heard in school. Or my friends all thought that. I guess I just kind of think that. Or, you know, I had a college professor once who said this. And so I've just kind of always assumed it was true. I've never really thought otherwise. Uh, well, I watched the news and they said it on the news. And I mean, the news isn't biased. You know, it's very honest and fair. And so, well, I mean, it, you know, I, I just believed what I heard. You know, or do we really think about what we're hearing and, and step back from it and say, hmm, I'm not so sure about that. You know, one of the things that, that uh, we try to teach our kids that come home and tell us things the teachers told them, and you know, sometimes the teachers insert their own beliefs and views in there, and we're teaching our kids in the public schools to step back and say, now wait a minute, do I really believe that? I say, you know, you need to respect your teachers. I said, but they don't always write. You need to think and, and challenge some of that in your own mind. And so I'm happy when they kind of step back a little bit and go, wait a minute, do I really believe that or not? And they have to think for themselves. Um, one of the aspects of cults, if you've ever had association with cults, is, is there's very much an attempt in a, a cultish religious environment to control thinking, control information flow. So, for instance, if, if uh, you ever get a knock on your door one day and there's a Jehovah's Witness at your door and they like want to give you some information, you know, try this one on for size. Say back to them, hey, that's cool. I'll take your information. I'll read it. And here's a book I want you to read. And then let's get together in two weeks and we'll talk about each other's books. It's not going to work because they aren't allowed to read your book <laughs> because it's controlled information. And, and so I think that's, you know, we, we need to think. Uh, we, we need to think in light of God's Word. We even need to, to challenge what we hear in church. I mean, in the sense of candling what we're hearing against the Word of God. I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that, that I think is a great um, encouragement to me as a pastor uh, is when after the service someone comes up to me and says, now I know you said this and I know what you're trying to say, but then I thought about this verse over here and it seemed to kind of you know, 
not fit with what you were saying over here. And how do you put the scriptures together, Pastor? And I've had people do that. And I love that because it tells me that people are thinking through the grid of God's word and God's character. And they're not just being spoon fed, but they're really thinking about God's word themselves. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul was traveling in the book of Acts and he was in Greece and he came to the city of Berea? And it says in the book of Acts that as Paul preached to the Bereans, they were listening to what he said and they were checking the Scriptures themselves to see if Paul was just spouting off or it was really in there. And Paul says that the Bereans were more noble than the others because they thought, they investigated and applied God's Word. Right? And, and so that's it. We're all under the Word of God. You know, this is, this is the hierarchy, okay? Got it? We're all under God's Word and, and we're thinking about His Word and wrestling with it together. <clears throat> or look at uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 15, verse 28. Just to give you another one. Proverbs 15, 28. It says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answer. But the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The heart of the, I love those two images. You have weighing and you have gushing. Aren't those great words? So on the one hand, you have a very thoughtful approach to what comes out of your mouth. You, you know, you, instead of just spouting off or saying what you're feeling or just in the email and hitting send, you go, okay, wait a minute. I'm just going to think about this for a minute. It's weighing. It's like, you know, I go to the doctor's office, you know, the nurse takes you in. And then you wait there for like two hours before the doctor comes in. And uh, so you're in, you're in the room waiting. And so you start like trying to entertain yourself. I always go over to the scale, you know, and, and just kind of check it out. And, and you know, I, I move the little thing around. You know, it's like the heavy weight at the bottom and it's like 200, 250. And then I, I get the little weight at the top and I start fiddling around with that one. And, it, you know, it, it takes concentration. You have to be very careful. And pretty soon you're like, you know, <laughs> right, just to get it. Just balance. It, that's the idea. You're weighing your answer. You're like, should I say that? No, maybe I'll put it like this. There's intentionality in what we're saying. Uh, now, contrast that with the other image of gushing. It says the wicked, um, the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. And when I thought of that gushing, I, for whatever reason, the, the image that came to my mind was when you drop a jug of milk and the lid pops off and it cracks and it's like, woom, woom, and the, the milk's gushing out on the floor and you, you pick it up and you're like, ah, and you know, the milk is gushing and you get it over to the sink and everything's just a mess. And I think that's how sometimes we are, you know, we just, some of us just gush what comes out of our mouths. We say what's on our minds. And, and you're like, well, at least I'm honest. Like, yeah, and you're stupid too because <laughs> look at the mess. Look at the mess you've made by being honest. You know, and not thinking about how to, to most constructively use your honest impulses. And, and so, even in, our, in what we say, there should be thought given to it. Or just one more, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Another great verse on thinking and knowledge and the mind. Proverbs 19:2 says, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, or to be hasty and miss the way. You know, zeal's great, enthusiasm's great, but just being enthusiastic for the wrong things or for the wrong cause or in the wrong way can be destructive. You think, well, my heart's in the right place. Yeah, but is your mind in the right place? Have you thought about it? Do you understand what you're doing or why? And maybe what you're so zealous about with a good heart is the wrong cause. I mean, there's thought that needs to be given 
to these things. And so the heart and the mind must be engaged. And the heart, in some ways, has to be subservient to truth and to what God's Word has to say. Or to put it yet another way, have you ever thought of thought as an act of worship? That we can worship God not only by singing songs or, or praying prayers, but that by thinking we can worship God. Do you remember what Jesus uh, said was the greatest commandment in the Bible? This was a discussion he was having with some people once, and, and it came out what he thought the greatest commandment was. Do you remember what it is? He says it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And think about that. It's a, that loving God with my mind, thinking intentionally and in a focused way about God and His Word and how that applies to life is a way of worshiping God. You know, so that this what we're doing right now is as much an act of worship as singing the songs we sang before that or praying the prayers that we prayed before this. This is a way of worshiping God, is thinking seriously about His Word. And so, so do, we, uh, do we exercise the virtue of Christian thought, that is, thinking about life, worshiping God with our minds by considering who He is and what His truth is and how that fits in with our lives and our day-to-day activities? Um, it's hard to do. I think we struggle with that. I, I definitely struggle with it for a number of reasons. One of the reasons we struggle with thinking is just that, well, I mean, let's just be honest, some of us are impulsive people. We just, kind of, we just react. We say what's on our mind, but out with it. Uh, or or we, uh, we have money and, and we're there in the store and we just buy things and we don't think about why we need it or why we should purchase it. Some, some of us, like money is how we deal with stress and and you know, pain in our lives. We just go out and shop and we buy things. We don't think about why we're buying it or what we're doing with our money. Or, or you know, friends at school, they all want to go out and do something. We just go along because we want to be with the crowd and we want to be part of those people. We don't step back and say, wait a minute, what are these people doing? Why am I so eager to be associated with them and to be affirmed by them? And who are these people anyway? What are their values? You know, but instead, we just go along with it because we don't want to feel like a loser who's not a part of the center of the popular crowd, whether that's in high school or like at your office. It, you know, we still have those kinds of pressures around us. And so we're impulsive and we, we just act and we do things because that's what we've always done. We haven't even thought about it. You know, why'd you do that? I don't know. Weren't you thinking? No, I just do that. <laughs> I never thought about why I do that. Not that I've ever had that conversation with my wife. But, um, you know, why do you do that, Jeremy? He's like, I don't know why I do that. I, I never thought about that. That's a good point. I need to think about why I do the things that I do. I also think that thinking is difficult in our uh, culture because there's a growing emphasis in our culture on feelings over thought, that experience and emotion and intuition are, are gaining an ascendancy over logic and reason. That, that definitely in our sort of postmodern uh, mood in which our society finds itself, the pendulum is swinging from uh, rationalism to romanticism. And, and, you know, there's a place for intuitions and feelings about knocking those things, but, but it's coming to a place where that is what's important and not thinking. And so we, we favor sound bites over sermons. And we favor images over substance. And movies over books. You know, we're very much an image-driven culture. And we have this presidential campaign going on now. And, 
And really, you know, a, a lot of the discussion, if you listen to it, is about how people appear. Like, well, this person seems nice. You know, that one seems really authentic. This one seems presidential. And, you know, it's like, well, what about their platforms? What do they actually believe? Oh, well, that's politics. I don't want to get into that. You know, I don't want to think about those things. I just like this. You know, he just makes me feel good. And, and I feel like I can trust him. Like, why, why? <laughs> but but it's, that's very much how politics are nowadays. And so it's about our feelings being sort of manipulated by emotional handlers who present certain images through candidates. And, you know, wh- where's the mind? Where's the content? Where are the platforms? In all of these things. Um, Christ calls us to think. Uh, or, or I was thinking also about the contrast between books and TV. You know, like just how that shaped the, our mental habits. You know, there's something about a book. The thing about a book is it's orderly and sequential. There is a sentence which makes a statement that's backed up by other sentences which forms a thought in a paragraph. That paragraph then leads logically, hopefully, into another paragraph that supports or furthers the argument of the previous one. And so your mind is led in an orderly fashion and it's logical and it causes your mind to work a certain way. And if you hit something in the book you're not sure about or that strikes you, you can go like this. Hmm, let me think about that. Yeah, I don't know. Let me read that again. You can go back. But you know, TV is very much images. And the images come at you one after the other and there's no time to pause and think. And they're random. It doesn't flow logically. You know, it's like you could be watching a drama, you're watching Law and Order or something, and then commercial comes and boom, you're into a soap commercial. What does it have to do with Law and Order? Nothing, doesn't matter. It's the next thing. And then boom, that's followed by a commercial about giving to money to support a child in Africa with pictures of these emaciated, starving children. And you go, oh. And then, boom, hilarious Budweiser commercial. right? And then you're laughing. <laughs> and then, boom, you're back into the video. And so what you have is a succession of unrelated images. And when, when you're in that mode, you don't really think about them. You just, all you can really do is feel them. You feel this one, you feel that one. And so I, I think it shapes a certain kind of thinking. You know, and, and I think even with movies, like I think movies are better than TV on, in that arena. Because at least with a movie, you can step back at the end of it and the movie's over and you can talk about it. That's one of the things I try to do with Jennifer or whoever I'm watching a movie with is afterwards just try to process it a little bit. Like what was the message of that? Well, I thought that was interesting when they were doing it. I think they were, they're trying to say this. And so we try to at least engage our minds to overcome the images that we've seen. But still, it's there. Uh, and, and if I could digress for a minute, if I get on a hobby horse here, but this may seem like a nitpicky thing, but that's why I think it's so important that when we're in church, we actually open Bibles. We actually read the words. <laughs> and you can, and if I'm preaching on a verse, you can read what comes before, and you can read what comes after, and you can read it for yourself. There's a trend in, in churches that really bothers me. And again, maybe this is nitpicky and I'm just too uptight. But you know, there's a trend in some churches where you know, the, uh, they have screens like we have in our 830 service. Where we project the words to songs on it. But not just the words to songs. And a lot of times it's the words to the scripture. So it's like you don't even have to bring a Bible. You don't have to open a Bible. Just look at the verse that's up on the screen. But there's something about that. It's almost like those words have almost become an image. And they're not disconnected from any context of what comes before or what comes after. And... And I just think it's so good to hold this in your hands and read it yourself. And you know what? If while I'm preaching, you're reading and you kind of get caught up in what you're reading and just keep reading on, praise God. You know, just 
Fine, don't listen. Read. That's great. Read God's Word, which is what this is all about, thinking together about what God has to say. And then, of course, there's the problem with thinking, which is just I don't have time to do it. So not only am I impulsive, and not only do I live in a culture where the mental habits are shaped by images rather than words, but I'm just so busy. It's like, when do I have time to think? Just constantly going from one thing to the next, and that's probably the hardest challenge of all, just the tyranny of our schedules and our lives here in, in this part of the country. So how do we become a more thoughtful people in the way that Scripture is talking about here? How do we learn to engage our minds and uh, to really take the horsepower of the brains God has given us and use it to worship Him by thinking about His truth? And, and I think that's just a huge topic. I feel like I could preach like sermons and sermons on that. I think that would be an interesting thing to have a Sunday school class about, just discussing the role of the mind and the, the, the life of the mind in worshiping God in the Christian life. I just think there's a lot to think about there. Uh, but let me just, just throw out, just kind of like kicking us off, and then you guys can take this to lunch and to talk amongst yourselves kind of a thing and you know, think about this whole topic. But um, two ideas, just two brief ones. Uh, one is that I think we need to strive to make the church a place, a community, where good thinking is done about truth and about life. That near the core of the church needs to be the primacy of teaching and of studying God's Word. Now, is that the only thing that churches should do? Of course not. The church is not just a big book club. The church is not just a seminary. The, the church is then called, we're called to go out into the world and care for the poor and, and minister to those around us. So I'm not just saying that the church ought to be a big think tank. But it shouldn't be less than thinking. You see? And so I think that's part of why we come together in the local churches to think together and to challenge each other. I mean, isn't that what preaching is? We're sort of corporately thinking about a text through the help of a preacher, but you're engaging it yourself, right? And so think about uh, these things. Again, the cultural forces of emotionalism and experientialism are pressing into the church on this score. And if you look at the state of worship in the church in America, maybe you're not really tuned into it, but the trend in, in worship services in America today is to go more and more toward an emphasis on experience and atmosphere so that the important thing isn't the content of what's taught. The important thing is, you know, setting the right vibe, whether the vibe is, is you know, celebrative or kind of meditative and sort of liturgical and historical, or maybe the vibe you want to set is... Uh, you know, cool and postmodern, but th- there's all this emphasis on getting the right lighting and getting the right candles in the right places to kind of create a feeling. Uh, Jennifer Bull, our worship director, I was asking her about this just to pick her brain in, and she says, you know, she got this thing in the mail just this week, and she says she gets this stuff all week about worship uh, things, but it's a two CD set you can buy called Vertical Momentum, and uh, and it's it's billed as the freshest. Most passionate worship experience is right here at your fingertips. Right? You know, so it's like, like you don't even have to think about worship. You just have to buy these CDs. And then you will have a fresh, passionate worship experience. Like, oh. How was church today? It was so fresh and passionate. <sighs> I experienced something. <laughs> like, wait a minute. It's, it's, 
you know, when is the point of worship about, about what I'm experiencing? Anyway, I thought worship was about, oh, never mind, you know. I, I talked to a guy this week, and a uh, true story, the guy this week, we were talking about just these things. He's a young guy uh, in his 20s, and he's, he's just disturbed by this trend. You know, the very kind of guy who they're supposedly trying to reach with the cool church model is just so turned off by it. He's like, I just want the Word of God. And he was telling me about a friend, of, and I find that encouraging, that, you know, the 20-something generation is not buying into the church trying to look 20-something, that they're hungry for God's Word. You know, God is faithful. Uh, he's, he's moving. Um, but, you know, he was telling me he, he ha, uh, had a friend who went to a church here in the Boston area. I won't say where. But apparently, the guy went to visit this church. And when the pastor comes on stage, there's a smoke machine. <laughs> and they were playing Coldplay, uh, which is like a sort of you know, modern band. And, you know, the pastor comes out. <laughs> I, I mean, just... But again, the vibe... The atmosphere. What do I feel? What do I experience? Does church seem cool or not cool? It's like, okay, what's the content? What's the preacher preaching? And is the Word of God what's really powering the church? Or is it the technique of setting a certain uh, vibe? Not that those things are irrelevant and we shouldn't think at all about the kind of atmosphere in which we are. But, you know, what's the heart? What's the heart? And it's got to be God's Word. <clears throat> So we need to be that in the church. The church needs to be a place that encourages thought. Um, in our sermons, God's Word and serious thought about it should be at the center of our gathered worship. Our Bibles, home group Bible studies should actually study the Bible. Crazy thought, I know. We need to have some part where we're actually digging into Scripture together. Uh, we have these Disciple Training Institute classes. And, and maybe, that's, maybe I'm talking about thinking about God's Word and you, you just feel like, I don't even know where to find Proverbs. You know, I, I feel lost when it comes to the Bible. And, and you need a place where you can just sit down with some other people and go, excuse me, I don't get any of this. Help me. You know, That's cool. Just find that. We have that in the church. Home Bible studies and Sunday school classes. There's a Sunday school class going on right now before the service on parenting. Thinking about how the Bible relates to parenting. I mean, how cool is that? And there's another one on baptism. But there's ways we can think about these uh, different topics and engage our minds. Or if you really want to freak someone out and blow someone's mind, Here's what you do, is find someone you maybe know, even casually in the church, who you think might be a little further along the path of Christianity than you are, and just come to them after the service and say, you know, I was really uh, convicted by what the pastor was saying, I was thinking about that, and I, I really need to think more about God's Word. And do you, Would you like to meet with me like once a week or once every other week for like an hour at lunch or something, and, and we could just read the Bible together and talk about how it applies to our lives, you know, and watch them go like... <laughs> just freak them out. Ask them. Man, if we all as a church just met with each other like that and studied the Bible together and prayed together, we'd probably get rid of like half our programs in the church if we just encouraged each other and, and had those kind of organic relationships. You can do that. You can meet with someone. You're like, oh, I can't. You know, how long have you been a Christian? Um, 25 years. How many sermons have you heard? Like, it's time to put it in gear. Find someone who doesn't hasn't been in church 25 years and just say hey I'd love to meet with you for an hour every other week and just read the Bible and try to figure it out together I mean that would be amazing you, you would grow so much from that you, you know you never learn as much as when you teach right when you shepherd others and just go for it It'd be really cool 
But not only should we create uh, the church to be a place where serious thought is done, not to the exclusion of action and service, but certainly thinking at the center of it, applying God's Word to our lives. But I think another way that we need to grow in thinking, and this is my second point, just to throw it out there, is, is that we individually have to be a people who read this book ourselves and think about it. Or as the Scripture calls it, meditation. That's what the Bible calls it. In fact, do this. Turn to the book of Psalms, the book right before Proverbs. Turn to Psalm 1. We studied Proverbs 1. Let's look at Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, the introduction to Psalms, says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The blessed man or woman or teenager kid is the one who studies God's Word and then meditates on it day and night. Now that word meditation means to think intently and seriously. It's to be distinguished from Eastern meditation. You know, we hear the word meditation, we typically think of like transcendental meditation, and they couldn't be more different. Uh, Eastern meditation is, is, is the goal is to escape the mind, escape the conscience. It's transcending, transcendental. You're trying to get out of this illusion of the conscious self, which in, in, that, in that sort of worldview isn't real. You're trying to get past it to the oneness of which we're all a part or however it's framed. And so you say something like, om, om, a nonsense word, with the goal being to kind of short circuit and get over the brain and the mind so that you can transcend it all. And like I said, biblical meditation is 180 degrees the opposite direction. Because in biblical meditation, you're harnessing the horsepower of the mind to consciously turn over and, and think about and chew the cud on and turn the washing machine around and around and around and think about God's Word. It's a very intentional kind of thing. So here's how you might meditate on Psalm 1. You'd read verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And you'd say, huh, counsel of the wicked, what's that? Well, it's people telling me to do the wrong things or teaching me lies. Huh. How do I walk in the counsel of the wicked? Where do I hear the counsel of the wicked today? Is the counsel of the wicked still around me? Where am I getting that? Let's see. What am I listening to or who's in my life who's speaking into my life that are telling me things that are against God's Word and I haven't really fought back against that? Not fought back, fought back. You know, I haven't really challenged that. And, and so you're starting to think about it. That's meditation. It's, it's just that. It's just thinking about God's Word and preaching a sermon to yourself. And anyone can do that. Just meditate on it. Uh, together with other Christians. And so we need to be grounded in God's Word. We need to be Bible readers. I wish there was an easier way to do this, people. I wish I could give you a two-minute guide for growing in your faith. But I'm telling you, you can't grow unless you read this book and think about it. It's just impossible. And you say you struggle with it? Great. Get with other Christians. Whatever it takes. But we have to read God's Word and think about it to renew our minds in order to grow in more Christ-like ways. If we don't read the Word, we won't grow. Are we grounded in God's Word? 
Do you feel like you understand the basics of the Bible? Or do you just feel like you're totally lost? We have to be grounded. We have to be grounded theologically. I know it just happened. I said the word theology and some of you went... <laughs> theology. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just fell asleep. It's so boring. You, know. you say theology and a lot of people are like, oh, theology is so dry. It just divides people. I don't want to do theology. Can I just love Jesus? I didn't know those two things were separable. <laughs> like, aren't we supposed to love God with my mind? Do you know what theology is? Let me give you a definition of theology. Theology is just thinking about God. Theos, God. Logos, study of. It's a study of God. It's thinking about God. We all have theology. Atheists have theology. Satanists have theology. Every Christian has a theology. The question is, is it good theology or bad theology? Where does it come from? Where did we get it? And is it really based upon Scripture? So we all do theology. It's just what kind of theology do we in fact do? And so we're called to think about God and to read His Word. And it's an act of love and worship to Him. Could you imagine this? I'm trying to think of an analogy to this. but Okay, so here's my analogy. Imagine I went on a trip for two weeks away from home to a preacher's conference or something. And I was gone for two weeks... And I came back home with my suitcases from my preacher's conference, and my wife was standing at the door looking at me. And she's like, well, are you glad to see me? And I go, uh, oh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I didn't even think of you for two weeks. And she said, well, I know you didn't think of me. You never called me. Oh, yeah, I was busy. <laughs> it, was just, it was a busy conference. I'm sorry I never called you for two weeks. And imagine she would say to me then, well, did you read the emails I sent you? And imagine if I said... Oh, yeah, they're in my inbox, but I never, I never really opened them. I was, you know. And then she said, well, I wrote you two letters, too. Did you read the letters? And I said, ah, actually, they're in my backpack here, but I never opened them up. But can't I just love you? I mean, why do I have to think about all these things and read your letters? I mean, can I just love you? <laughs> you know, once I regain consciousness... Um, <laughs> And yet we have the audacity to treat God that way. I haven't thought about God in two weeks. Do I really ponder Him? You know, do I read the love letter that God has written me? It's here and I don't read it. <laughs> but oh, I love God. I just want to love Jesus. I don't have to do theology. Like Theology is not just about trying to be smart. It's about loving God with your mind and reading His Word. I say I love God, but you know, it's like I haven't read this for myself in two weeks. What kind of love is that? God is calling us to love Him with our minds and to, to think His thoughts. We don't read the Bible as Christians because, well, that's what a Christian's supposed to do. Okay, read the Bible today. Good. Check. Next. That's not why you read the Bible. We read the Bible because it's like, I love God. In my heart and my mind, I'm one person and I need to read His Word because it's, I read it because I want to hear what He has to say and I talk to Him because I want to share my heart with Him. And it's all part of that loving relationship with the Father. But aren't you so thankful that even though we go painfully embarrassing stretches without ever thinking of God, that our Father has never stopped thinking of us. That before the foundation of the world, He chose us. He predestined us. He thought my name. He said, Jeremy. And He thought about me before the foundation of the world. 
And before I ever came into existence, He was developing this plan of redemption to save us. Thinking about it and putting this whole thing into place. Bringing the promises to Abraham and then to Moses and then the sacrificial system which prefigured Christ. And eventually bringing history till Christ has come. All before I was born. All before I ever committed my first sin and began to become a sinner, God was already planning my salvation. He was thinking and thinking. And that, and that Christ came and died for me. And then I was born and, and I, I lived a life away from God. And even then, God was thinking about when to execute His plan. And in the right time, the power of the Holy Spirit opened my dead, sinful, blind heart and gave me the gift of faith. And God was thinking about me. And to think even now when I go through my days so full of thoughts about everything else except God, to think that Jesus stands at the right hand of God interceding for me, thinking about this wayward son of His, and yet He's pleading His blood. It's amazing that God never stops thinking of His beloved children. And so we are saved. Not because of any righteousness we've done. Not because of any seminary degrees or any sheepskins proving that we're thinkers. We're saved because God thought of us and did something to save us. Let's pray. How wonderful are Your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Lord, how deep and wide is Your wisdom. And Lord, how gracious are Your thoughts that You would think to save sinners like us. God, we just pray that we would be so melted, so affected and captured by Your great love for us that that wayward sinners can be forgiven through Jesus. That 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 thought, that truth would transform our hearts. And that, Lord, we would think after You because of what You've done for us. That our hearts and our minds would be melded and engaged in a passionate worship of You through thinking and through Your Word. And so, Lord, as we come to the communion table now, as we ponder the great depths of Your mercy and love. We just pray, God, that You would open our minds to think more of You, to commune with You here at this table. Lord Jesus, You're the host of this table and we are Your people. We just pray that we would be captured once again with considerations of the greatness of Your mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And Eldon Abbott is uh, chairman of our elders and he is going to uh, come and lead us in the communion table today.